This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Amy Brown, who's the Director of Program Development at the Southeast Consortium in Lower Westchester, New York. Amy, good morning. Good morning. So thanks for being on the show. Um, I always love the opportunity on One in 59 to talk to people doing innovative and interesting things in the field, um, whether it's uh, something specific to, to people with autism or maybe specific to individuals with a variety of special needs. Um, and that's why you are on the show today, because you are working for a nonprofit organization that serves children and adults with various disabilities in some really innovative and cool ways. So again, thank you for being on. And I'd love it if you started with just a little background about yourself. Sure, I'd be delighted. Um, I have a master's of education from Harvard, but then I went the corporate route for nearly 15 years working for Polaroid Corporation as director of training and development. But then life got interesting. Polaroid actually went through a bankruptcy, which a lot of people don't know because they're still around, and they came through that bankruptcy. But it gave me an opportunity to take a look at where I was in my life and at the same time, my brother had two sons with autism. Oh. And I realized at that point that I wanted to learn more about autism and to get better at helping those who are affected by autism. Uh, anytime autism touches your family that directly, I think you have a moment where you decide, is this something that I'm going to just know something more about or is this something that I'm going to do something about? Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to do something about it. So I looked around and I came down to New York, which is where I'm originally from because Polaroid is up in Cambridge. Okay. So I came back to New York to my roots and I enrolled at Hunter College in a master's program in ABA and I found Southeast Consortium. This lovely nonprofit organization that is doing phenomenal work in therapeutic recreation and leisure related services for children with developmental disabilities and adults. Mm-hmm. So, so can I interrupt you just for one second, just to make sure, sure. people know uh, that there, so the program you went to at Hunter is ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis, which right. is really the gold standard when it comes to sort of uh, instruction and um, and support for people with autism specifically. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. And uh, now... It is keep, a field laden with uh, acronyms, isn't it? It is. Oh, my goodness. We have like a four-page sheet on acronyms for anybody who, uh, who wants to know. There's a lot of them. Um, but I, I'm sorry for the interruption. So keep going. So you found Southeast and... and how so I found Southeast and I started volunteering for them first. And then I came on board uh, full-time about four years ago. So, and because I have a strong background in program development, I started doing some uh, new and innovative programs for them and started looking at animal-assisted programs and animal-assisted therapy programs. And I started off with um, equine therapy, having done a lot of research on the benefits of equine therapy with uh, autism. And uh, we created this wonderful program called Mains in Motion, and, uh, which is a therapeutic horseback riding program. And we had uh, wonderful success with that. And I decided to try my hand with dogs. 
and your audience may be wondering, what is going on with all these animals? Yeah. Why animals and autism? Yeah. Well, there's, I could go on and on with the research, the scientific research that's behind this. But basically, what it's all about is that scientists are beginning to confirm what we always suspected. Specially trained dogs have significant positive effects on the social, cognitive, and emotional functioning of children with developmental disabilities. Dogs act as social catalysts and as stress reducers, two of the key things that children with autism need most. Mm -hmm. And when you factor that into a curriculum that uses ABA techniques and interventions, you've got yourself a curriculum that benefits children with autism. And that's what we sought to, to design. So how does it, how does it, first of all, let's, let's just backtrack a little bit. I want to give people again a sort of a picture of what this is about. How many children and adults does Southeast Consortium serve right now? About 350. Okay. And is it during all hours of the day? Is it weekends? Is it after school? Is it evenings? Is it, is it just yeah, a mix? It's after school. Okay. It's an after-school respite program. Mm -hmm. We get about 48% of our funding from New York State Medicaid funding channels, mm -hmm. about the other 18% from fundraising projects and development initiatives and so forth. Okay. So we offer about 35 programs to approximately 350 individuals year-round, including five summer camps. Um, most of our programs begin at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. And they go right through the weekend, and they're in five major categories, okay. sports and fitness, theater and arts, adult living skills, and special events. And so under sports and fitness, you might find a swimming program mm -hmm. or a basketball program. Under theater and arts, we have our play production company, our dance company. Under adult living skills, you would find um, our travel club. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And on a special event, we might go to a Mets game. This, I mean, it's it sounds it's it's compelling. It sounds amazing. Um, and just again, uh, where exactly are, are you located? In one spot, or is there? Obviously, a lot of what you're doing is also com you know within the community. It's so you may be traveling. Based. Okay. Yeah, it's community based, and participants come from member municipalities in southern Westchester County. So. We include areas like Mamaronac, Scarsdale, Harrison, Eastchester, Rye, Portchester, Largemont, okay. Bronxville, Tuckahoe. So you have to be part of the member municipalities. Okay, and, and is there eleven of them? Okay, and is there and you serve children as young as five all the way through uh, adulthood? Adulthood. Okay, that's right. And then is there a fee? I know you get funding, and I understand all too well how, how various types of funding works. And then I'm a fundraiser for Anderson, so I understand that you're also raising money as a non-for-profit to enhance that those opportunities. Um, which uh, Is there a fee that families or individuals pay directly also to participate in this program? There is, which is set by how much we get, there's a waiver, you know, there's the HCBS Medicaid waiver. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, there will be a program fee. Okay. So, um, um, which is yeah. fine. We don't have to get into the details. I just wanted uh, the, the people listening to understand that this is specifically to serve people who live in one of those 11 municipalities in southern Westchester. Um, and let's go back now to, to the, the, the cool stuff you were sharing about the animal-assisted therapy, but also all of these other programs. 
you said sports, theater, and arts, adults living, and special events. I want to ask you about adult living before we get back to the the animal uh, assisted therapies. Um, sure. When you're talking about adult living, who give us a picture of who's coming to access those, that particular program? Those are mostly our teens, and they would range from 14 to 25 mm-hmm. years. And they are ones that we are either trying to get travel trained, so we're trying to get them to learn how to take a bus or a train, mm-hmm. because if we have a program called uh, the Travel Club, we might be going to the movies and dinner. Mm-hmm. So we might be taking local transportation, the Metro North, in order to get to New Rochelle in order to see a movie. Right. So we would have a bunch of teenagers, and we would go to the train station. And we would have them purchase their ticket, ride the train, then go to the movie theater, purchase their ticket, make change, and get their concessions, their popcorn, their soda, and then after that, go to dinner. Um, So what we're trying to do is teach travel training, making change, ordering, doing the kind of things that you would find in an adult living skills program. Okay. And and a lot of that has to do with the types of recreation and leisure activities that maybe would, I'm I'm going out, I'm I'm assuming here, so tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me that there's an underlying component and a goal here of increased social opportunities, family get-together opportunities, things that, you know, from what I hear a lot from families of individuals coming to Anderson, uh, who many times are children who have not had those opportunities um, because they're very severely challenged by autism and maybe they, they don't go out to dinner and they don't go to the movies and they haven't gone shopping and they can't go, you know, they haven't gone on a train. Um, so is there also that underlying goal of, uh, of, of, of generalization within the family unit, within the friend group, or, um, you know, maybe eventually in an employment situation where you might need to travel by train or bus to get to a job. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Because generally what happens is these programs follow one right after the other. So they might be in play production from 3 to 4.30, and then right after that will be travel club. So what we try to do is have as many of them go from one to the next so that they're with each other and they continue that socialization. If they just go to travel club, that might be just enough of a barrier to say, oh, that's too much. I don't know that I can do that. But if they're going right from one program to another, it breaks down some of those barriers and challenges. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I can do that because I'll be with Jane mm-hmm. and John mm-hmm. from play production, and they can help me through. All right. That's cool. So there are those connections happening um, at the same time that the skills are being developed. I, it sounds like, I mean, I... I, I I, I love what I'm hearing in terms of the maybe breaking down some of the walls, so it's not looked at as an individual one skill development. It's sort of a, it's sort of a uh, an impact on quality of life, and and that is uh, near and dear to Anderson Center for Autism's mission. Um, so I always love it when I when I hear about programs going on that have that same focus. Let's go back again to uh, now 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 maybe I, I I'm sorry I cut you off before. Uh, we're going to take a short break in just a couple seconds. When we come back, maybe you can get a little bit more into detail again on the um, animal-assisted therapy uh, and some of your award-winning animal-assisted programs, because I definitely want to hear about more about that and why you're seeing, you think you're seeing so much success there. Okay? 
Okay. All right. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Although some people with autism have difficulty vocalizing their feelings, here at Anderson Center for Autism, their smiles speak volumes. Whether students are developing job skills, learning to communicate, volunteering in the community, expressing themselves through art and music, or building friendships, there are moments every day here when breakthroughs are made and joy is palpable. Do you want to generate more smiles for the one you love with autism? Learn more online at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking with Amy Brown, Director of Program Development at Southeast Consortium, which is a community-based program, uh, respite and recreation and leisure and other skill development, I guess, uh, program for children and adults with special needs in Southern Westchester County. Um, it's open to uh, individuals who live in one of the 11 municipalities in that area. And um, Amy, you've been talking to us about a lot of the kind of uh, practical aspects of Southeast Consortium and funding and things like that and how many people you serve. I'd love to give the second half back to you to talk more about something I know you're really excited about, which is the animal assisted programs that you offer? Yes. So we're very excited about Happy Tales, our canine assisted program. It just won an award from the Westchester Recreation and Park Society. It won the Matt Dolan Award for Innovation and Excellence, and we're very proud of that. This came about actually because we started off with our equine program in 2016, and that got off to a great start. And I started looking to see what other animal-assisted programs we could run. Mm -hmm. So then I started looking at dogs. Mm -hmm. And the key to running a good dog program is getting a good partner. Right. So I looked at the Good Dog Foundation in New York City. Mm -hmm. And what separates the Good Dog Foundation from other organizations is they don't just register their dogs, they certify them. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's looking to run a a dog-assisted therapy program, there's a few key things you need to look at. One is partner well. (laughs) Right, right. That's number one because... That's the basis of your program. And what Good Dog Foundation does is they're a nonprofit organization as well. Mm-hmm. And they provide the dogs and the handlers. And they certify them every year. Um, and they provide them pro bono to okay. your organization. And, and the certification every year, does that mean that there's a level of sort of assessment and continuous training that, that the dogs receive because they're Absolutely. because it's not like a one-time and then no. just assume? It's okay. every year mm-hmm. they go through a rigorous certification process. And we were fortunate enough to get Team Bo and Team Finley. Aw. Yeah. In our first time we ran it. The second key to success is start small. Okay. We only started off with six participants and two dogs, two dogs and two handlers. Mm-hmm. And the third key to success is be flexible. I built a, a curriculum that was designed to teach dog skills, such as petting, grooming, feeding, um, walking, and command giving, you know, in terms of paw, sit, stay, sure. lie down, that sure. kind of stuff. Okay. But the other point, part of the curriculum, was to teach life skills. So at the time in which you're teaching grooming, you're also teaching them about body language. 
because you don't want to go up and groom a dog that's snarling at you. No. So, right. So you have to learn the dog's body language. Well, that gave us an opportunity to teach them about human body language, too, and nonverbal communication. Yeah. So that's when we introduced the ABA skills on nonverbal communication. So every week had that in, built into it. So if we were doing um, feeding, I would bring in food, we'd chop it up at the table. The life skill we were learning there was teamwork, and that's how every week would go. Cool. There's and, and there's a lot. Um, we at Anderson actually years ago we worked with the Good Dog Foundation. We actually honored them at one of our galas many years ago for the same reason. They were excellent and they were excellent partners with us and um, kind of introduced us to the opportunity to um, to bring dogs to our uh, program. Sometimes for some individuals because it wasn't honestly for everybody. But um, so I, I agree with you. They were they were a um, an R uh, great partners. Um, is there something that you see, especially with your ABA background, not everybody with autism is nonverbal, right? But the, but many people with autism struggle with with verbal language in some capacity, maybe expressively, receptively, both. A lot of people at Anderson are completely nonverbal. Some people with autism are minimally verbal or just communicate in a different way. Dogs, and I am a dog lover, so forgive me here, but dogs... Yeah. Um, and many animals, uh, I think horses the same, have a way of communicating, obviously non-verbally, but extraordinarily expressively. Um, exactly. And so how does that play in? You, you talked about making the connection between nonverbal cues and, and sort of communication and behavior um, um, with a dog. And did that easily translate in your curriculum to, to, to looking at the same thing human to human? It does. It does. Because there is something very special. And it did, it did connect more with our nonverbal uh, kids. Because mm-hmm. the, the age range in the, in the class was 7 to 12. We wanted this to be the younger kids. And the only way that I can, or the best way, I should say, that I can describe this is to give an actual example. Uh, we had an 11-year-old girl with autism who was nonverbal. She also had a proclivity to self-injure through biting mm-hmm. herself. She came into the program. She had absolutely no interest in the dogs. She would come in. She would sit cross-legged on the floor. It's about as far away from the dogs as you could get. And very slowly, we started introducing her to the dogs. You know, And first, it was through the sensory integration piece in terms of just feel the fur. Right. You know, just come over, feel the fur, and that kind of stuff. And then she would start to look into their faces mm-hmm. and start, you know, kind of getting that piece and picking up the nonverbal communication between she and the dog. And there was something going on. We couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but there was some communication that was going on between she and the dog. By week three, she pulled her yoga mat closer to the dog. She still wasn't petting him, mm-hmm. but she was getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. By week four, she was sitting on the floor petting the dog. Okay. But by graduation, she was lying on the floor with the dog, petting his belly and grooming him. Wow. It was amazing. Mm. Her mother started crying at graduation. She, she wept at graduation, immediately enrolled her in the second session 
the spring session of Happy Tales, claiming that it was the only program that got through to her daughter. Wow. Wow. It was, there wasn't a dry eye at graduation yeah. when she graduated. Mm-hmm. Because she, at graduation, what we did is we, we had the dogs set up at the front of the room, and we gave out certificates, mm-hmm. and the dogs shook the participants' hands <laughs> as they came up and got their certificates, and she went and gave them a kiss instead. Aww. And this was a girl who wanted nothing to do with the dogs in the beginning. And, and did you see anything, or did her mother report that anything has changed in terms of her interactions with other people? Well, what's interesting is she used an assistive communication device, mm-hmm. or she, I should say she had mm-hmm. an assistive communication device that mm-hmm. she never used. Mm-hmm. By the end of the session, she was teaching us how to use the assistive communication device so that she could tell us what she wanted to do with the dogs. Oh, that was so yes. So the answer is definitely yes. That's, uh, yes. So, she, so she started to see, at the very least, um, the, 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 the value personally to her of communicating, that there's something, um, that there's a, there's a reason why she would seek out communication. Um, wow. That's just, I mean, I'm glad you shared that story. Obviously I can hear in your voice that that had meaning for you, that that's what keeps you, um, you know, wanting to look at ways to expand this and keep this going. But, um, but, uh, just reinforces also that, that being open to try new things and to expose your, your loved one to new things can really lead to some surprising and wonderful outcomes with, with some creativity and again partnering with the right either dog or handler or organization or or uh, individual person um, right we, we only have another couple minutes I wondered if you wanted to talk at all about uh, first of all let me quick question how many people are working in the happy or are involved in the happy tales program now I know you started with six now we have eight and okay. three dogs Great. So we, we expanded it to eight participants, and we got one more dog. Now we have Team Molly. Team Molly. And are these, um, I know that a lot of dogs that I see uh, in the field are golden retrievers. Are these golden retrievers, or are they different? Nope. We have a golden retriever, we have a Labrador, and a golden doodle. Oh, oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what are your just parting thoughts about Southeast Consortium overall and also the Happy Tales program? What are your hopes for the future or plans for the future? Well, we uh, certainly plan on continuing it. We might grow it a little bit more. We have a waiting list to get into the program. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our horse program is on hold at the moment because we lost our barn. There again, the important thing is to partner with the right organization, and we had partnered with Access Equestrian, who's mm-hmm. a wonderful organization that does adaptive riding. But you always have to lease the barn that you use, mm-hmm. and that's that, again, for people that want to do a equestrian therapy finding a barn is the hardest thing okay so that's that (laughs) Um, we continue to want to expand our animal assisted therapy donkeys maybe next we don't know we i read an article in the new york time that says that donkey therapy is the way to go next so we're taking a look at that well i i think that's a great idea i've seen children in my own life connect with donkeys um in amazing ways so um exactly (laughs) that sounds great so that that could be that could be on the design the design block right. next. That might be your next curriculum. Very cool. It, it could be. But I think one of the areas that um, Southeast is taking a look at now is a very serious topic of transition skills. 
We, we don't normally do vocation training, but our population, like the population of so many organizations that work with this population, knows all too well the numbers are staggering of teens that are transitioning out of high school-based services. And if we can do our part in helping to better prepare the teens for the transition out of high school, either into the workforce or into post-secondary education, we're going to do what we can to better prepare those teens. Mm -hmm. So I'm working now on developing a transition skills program um, with the help of T-Mobile, who granted us some digital notebooks. And we're going to be working on adult living skills. We're going to be working on self-advocacy. And that's a large part of where the future is going for Southeast. Well, I'm excited to, to get to know Southeast Consortium and to get to know you. And I wish you the best of luck. And um, please keep us posted on the growth and, and whether, you know, uh, how these things come to fruition for you. So really sounds like great stuff happening there for community uh, in southern Westchester. And Amy Brown from uh, Southeast Consortium, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember... Anderson Cares. You've been listening to One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 